Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord one more hand. Yes. Very good. Very good. Well, it's good to see everyone here this morning. Um, happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Um, as Nick said, uh, if you're a first-time guest, make sure to fill out a welcome card and drop it over at the um, Welcome Center. And we have a special gift for you. So, um, yeah, you know, I was just thinking, last year we weren't able to be here because of our good friend Corona. And so it has been uh, two years since we've had an Easter Sunday here at the church. And so it's exciting to see everyone and to see faces. Yeah, that's so nice. You know, um, so, uh, so yeah. So we, you, you think about it. If you, if you guys have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me real quick? I'm going to be short this morning, just a few hours. And uh, in your Bibles, why don't you turn with me real quick to John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. And I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. When you get there, say, I'm there. All right. It says, later, knowing that everything had now been finished. Can you look to your neighbor and say, it is finished. Look to your other neighbor and say, it is finished. It is finished. Yes, later, knowing that everything had been finished. And so that scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of a hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. Can you look to your neighbor and say, it is finished. It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. With that, he bowed up his head and gave up his spirit. Later, knowing that everything had been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received a drink, he said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. It is finished. God, I just pray that you'll be with us this morning. Father, I just pray that you will speak um, to your people. God, I pray that you will use me as an instrument of your truth. I pray that your word, which is living and active, will just move in our hearts and move in our minds. God, I just, I just pray for life transformation this morning. Father, I pray for those who are here. I also pray for those who are listening online. God, may you receive the glory. May you receive the praise, God. You know, it's, it's been 2,000 years since you um, lived and were crucified and you died and were resurrected, God. And here we are still 2,000 years later celebrating what you did on Calvary for us many years ago, Father. I just pray that we will um, uh, just remember your sacrifice that you had for us, God. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen. All right, so my message is entitled, It Is Finished, hence the song, It Is Finished, Jesus' famous last words. Theologians are almost in unanimous agreement that this phrase, it is finished, they are almost in unanimous agreement that this phrase, you, uh, it is finished, is the focal point of the Gospel of John. It is um, Jesus' mission summarized in three simple words, it is 
finished. 12 letters, it is finished. Theologians, again, they are almost in unanimous consent that this is the entire purpose of the Gospel of John. It is finished. Three words, 12 letters. It is finished. What's interesting is, is it's three words in the English, but it's actually only one word in the Greek. It is the word tetelestai. Can you look to your neighbor and say tetelestai? Now look to your neighbor and say, watch your mouth. Tetelestai. One word in the Greek, tetelestai. Three words in the English, one word in the, one word in the Greek, tetelestai. It's interesting because the word actually means to bring to an end, to complete, to accomplish. It means paid in full. It means I did exactly what I was sent to do. It is finished. Tetelestai means to bring to an end, to complete, to accomplish, paid in full. I did exactly what I was sent to, sent to do. It's a critical word that signifies the successful end to a particular course of action, to telestai. It's a word that an artist might use when they had finished a, sculpt, a sculpture. It is a word that might be used for a soldier after he had finished battle. It is a word that you might use after you finished your first marathon. It is a word that you might use after you have maybe have climbed the peak of Mount Everest. It is the word that you might use if you had turned in your final paper for your final exam for your final class in college to get your degree. Amen. Has anyone been there before where you, you turned in your last paper and it's just like this huge rush of relief to bring an end, to complete, to accomplish, paid in full. I did exactly what I was meant to do, to telestai. It's the word that you might use when you make your final payment on your car note or the, the word that you might use when you make the final payment on your, on your house. Is anyone there yet? No one. Praise the Lord. Um, to telestai. To bring to an end, to complete, to, con to accomplish, paid in full. Man, I did exactly what I was sent out to do. So what exactly was Jesus talking about when he said to Telestai, when he said, I, I, I did exactly what I, like, like I came, I did, like, he was like, okay, so you, so you came and you died on a cross. Great. But, but what exactly what he, was he talking about? Like, why is this such an important part of the gospel of John? Why is this the focal point of the gospel? Why is this the focal point? Of this entire, and why are theologians almost in unanimous consent that this is the most important phrase that was said by Jesus in the Gospel of John? What was finished? What was finished? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is what was finished. I think that there were three main things that were finished. First of all, all types and promises and prophecies were now fulfilled and accomplished in Jesus. All types and promises and prophecies were now fully accomplished in him. When he was saying, I, he, it's interesting, he didn't say I was finished, but he said it was finished. Like scripture was now completely fulfilled in him. And what's interesting is, is, is this wasn't God's plan B or God's plan C. This wasn't his plan D. This wasn't his alternate plan, but this was God's plan from the beginning of time. Do you realize that? Like if you read the Bible, you can see this common thread, this thread that goes all the way, like if you have a needle and some, and some string, and you can see this thread that goes all the way from Genesis. It starts with Adam. This thread keeps on going. It's, it's just going through, it's, it's, just, it's just winding and weaving through history. It starts with Adam, and it, it goes on to Noah. It goes to 
to Moses. It talks about the people in the, in the Exodus. It, 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 it goes on in, in Joshua and the battle of Jericho. And you, you can see this thread and this thread going through the judges and this thread going through the kings and, and David and, and Solomon and this thread going and, and through Babylon and through captivity and coming back and rebuilding the wall. You can see this thread that's weaving throughout Scripture where, where God had this God-ordained plan from the very beginning of time. From Genesis to Revelation. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says that he was chosen before the creation of the world. All types and promises and prophecies were now fulfilled in him. It was finished. From Genesis through Revelation is the story of Jesus. Every promise relative to salvation, every every prophecy that would identify Jesus as the Savior, it was prophetically planned and perfected on the cross. Even in Isaiah, some 700 years before Jesus was born, it says this about him. Speaking of his earthly ministry, it says, he, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that would that, that, that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one who would hide his face. He was despised and he was held and we held him in low esteem. Surely we, t- surely he took up, upon, yeah, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God Uh, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are, and by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Through Genesis, through Revelation, we can see this thread of Jesus this prophecy of this Messiah. And I I guess I just want to remind you guys today that God is true to keeping his promises. He has kept his word. Uh, God starts what he finishes. He's not going to give up on you. God does not change faith, and he is just, and he is true when life is chaotic and out of order, and you feel as if your plans have been dashed against the rocks. You can remember that God will never leave you, that God will never forsake you, he can be your constant in, your, in the storms of life. He's faithful. We can take his word and we can hold it as true. And I remind you that just as faithful as he was when, he, when they prophesied about him in the Old Testament and all of these prophecies came true, did you know in Scripture that it says that he's coming again? And he is faithful to his word. He is true to his word. He is just, and Scripture says that um, he is our rock, he is our fortress, he is our ever-present help. In time of trouble, he finished all types and promises and prophecies. They were all fulfilled in him. But what else did he finish? We can see that the debt incurred by sin was paid. So not only did he fulfill all prophecies and promises, promises, but also we can see through Scripture that the debt incurred by sin was paid. You might be new to church, or you might, this might be your first time being here, you might be like, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Sin. What is this debt that we're unable to pay? This doesn't necessarily sound very PC. This sounds kind of strange. What, what, what's this sin? In Scripture, it says that in Genesis chapter 3, it talks about how humanity fell. It talks about Adam and Eve, and they took of the fruit, 
and ate of it, and it was good, and it was pleasing to the eye. And from that moment, we can see that humanity was twisted towards sin. In Romans chapter 3, it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have fallen short of God's standard, of God's perfection. It's interesting because I think a lot of times we try to pay our back, to pay our way back to perfection. You know, we think if we just do enough good things, if we go to church enough times, if we do enough good deeds, if we do enough tithing, if we have enough uh, proper conduct, if we do enough community service, if I just do enough, I can pay off the debt that I owe. If I'm just a good enough person, that should suffice, right? If I'm just great enough, if I just achieve enough, if I just get enough excellent, if I just do enough, then maybe perhaps I can pay back the debt that was owed by sin. Man, if I can just, I can just earn my way back into good grace with God. It's interesting. I work at a bank. That's my day job. And I've had people come into the bank who have had a lot of debt. In fact, I met someone the other day who had $80,000 in credit card debt. $80,000 in credit card debt. They were paying over 2500 bucks a month in just their minimum payments, okay? And it's interesting because I don't know if, you, if anyone, does anyone have a credit card? Raise your hand. Anyone have debt? Raise your hand. Ah, there you are. I see y'all. No. Okay, so credit card debt. Okay. One of the things that they have to disclose in the truth and lending disclosure is they have to disclose, first of all, how, long it, how, how much your payments would be if you, had to, if you had to pay it off in three years. So if you look at your credit card statements, you look at it, okay, this is how much I have to pay to pay it off in three years. If I just make my minimum payment, I also have to disclose that, okay? So you look, you look at your credit card statement, okay? And it'll say, if you just make your minimum payments, okay? Like for this person, $80,000, minimum payment, you look and it's like tons and tons and tons. It's like you're going to be paying interest after interest after interest. And this poor person, like they were making their payments, they weren't making enough money, and they were so in debt there was no way they were ever going to get out of it. Jesus actually told a parable once. He said, hey, there was this king. And this king um, went and he decided that he was going to collect his debts from his servant. You can check it out in Matthew chapter, I think it's Matthew chapter 18. And he said that this servant owed 10,000 uh, talents to his king. 10,000 talents. A talent was worth roughly 20 years wages. This guy owed 10,000. Can you imagine that? 10, so he would have to work 200,000 lifetimes, 200,000 years to pay off the debt if he paid nothing else. If he had no other expenses, if he had no other costs, no, 200,000 years to pay off the debt. The perfection that God had, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can't, we can't work our way. We can't become good enough. We can't strive enough. We can't tithe enough. We can't uh, uh, do great enough things to overcome this debt. Are you guys with me this morning? Tetelestai. Look at your neighbor and say, Tetelestai. Tetelestai. In the ancient world, when someone was put in prison... They would write their offense on a piece of paper. And once they wrote their offense on the piece of paper, they would place it on the doorpost of the prison of where they were incarcerated. And after they had served their time, after they have served the amount of time that they're supposed to be in prison, 
They would write on the debt to Telestai. They would write on the debt to Telestai. To Telestai was used in the business world. It meant that your debt was paid in full. All sacrifices in the Old Testament were abolished. Your, he, was saying to tell, he was saying, your debts have been paid in full. The, the transaction has been complete. He was saying, my sacrifice once for all for the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ was paid in full. In Hebrews chapter 1, uh, he, he contrasts the Old Covenant with the New Covenant. And this is what the author says. He says, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, when this priest is speaking of Jesus, when this priest, when Jesus Christ had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has been made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. Listen, you might have a messy past. You might be the worst of the worst. You might look at your life, and it might seem like it is a mountain of credit card debt. It might seem like it's a, a mountain of debt where you've, you've sinned, and you've messed up, and you've done things over and over and over again. Maybe you've hurt your family. Maybe you've hurt your friends. Maybe you've hurt your spouse. Maybe, maybe you've done things that you regret. Maybe you've, you've stolen, or maybe you've, you've done things that are immoral. And whatever it might be, no sin is too great. Jesus died on the cross to cancel your debt. It is covered by the sacrifice of Jesus. For the wages of sin is death, man. If you keep on going down that road, it's death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The debt incurred by sin was paid. All types and promises and prophecies were now fully accomplished in him. And lastly, when he said it was finished, when he said to Telestai, Jesus had totally destroyed the power of Satan, of sin, and of death. He had totally destroyed the power of Satan, and of sin, and of death. What's interesting is, Tetelestai is in the perfect sense. It's, it's, it's interesting. There, there's significance to that. It, it's not in the past sense. It's not like he was saying, yeah, it was finished, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was, but it was in the perfect sense. I mean, it was, it was in the past, but it was also in the perfect sense. You know, he, he wasn't saying it's finished and now I'm done. He wasn't saying it was finished and that's, it's over. He wasn't saying it was, but he was saying, in the perfect sense means that it, it is not only applicable in the past, but it's also applicable in the present, and it's also, also applicable in the future. So when Jesus had totally destroyed the power of sin and death, he did it not only then, but he also does it, he also did it in the present, and he's also doing it in the future. Death and hell and judgment were destroyed on the cross. Your sorrow, to Telestai, it's finished. Your brokenness, to Telestai, it's finished. Your debt, to Telestai, it's finished. Your fear, to Telestai, it's finished. Your mistakes, to Telestai, it's finished. It all went down on that day. There's an old song that says there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. It's finished. The task was done. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Death could not hold him. To Telestai. 
Jesus had totally destroyed the power of sin, Satan, and of death. And as the worship team comes back up, I want to remind you that Jesus is still working today. That he's still moving today. That he's still in the business of doing things today. We don't serve a Savior that's, that's dead, but we serve a God who's risen. He was crucified, he was beaten, he was flogged, he was scourged, he was, put to, he was put, to death, put to death on a cross for you and for me. But he didn't stay down, he came up on the third day and he, he's alive and he's living today. It's finished. He accomplished what he came to do. Maybe you're here this morning and you've, 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 you, you've, been going through troubles, you've been going through heartaches, you've been going through pain, you've had mistakes, you have debt, you have uh, all sorts of things that you can see in your life. And I want to I remind you today that, that he's still here and he's still alive. In Galatians chapter 2, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave, him, gave himself up for me. Romans chapter 8, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit through life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. To tell us, die, it's not only something in the past, something in the present, something in the future. We serve a, a risen Christ, a God who, who, who did something amazing for us 2,000 years ago, but who is still at work in the church today. God, minister to your people. God, I pray that as we sing this song one last time, that you'll open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us, God. We give you the glory. We give you the praise.